Hello and welcome to MetPod, the official CPD podcast for Maiden Early Trust staff by Maiden Early Trust staff. In each episode, we are joined by a member of Trust staff to share their area of expertise, interest or research in the hope that it will inspire our listeners to try out something new in their own practice. I'm Chloe Bateman, a history teacher at Maiden Early School, and I'm delighted to be joined this month by um, Moitre Bhattacharji, the teacher of science and the mentor for ECTs at Maiden Early School, to discuss how we can demystify medical cognition and best put into practice in our schools for the benefit of our students and staff. Back in the early days of MetPod, Andy Johnson, our now Executive Director of Education, gave us some key insights into the research behind metacognition and how elements of it could be implemented within our classroom practice. Two years later, it is great that Moitre will be returning to this incredibly important topic and sharing her action research project of developing and utilising metacognitive strategies, especially from her perspective as a biologist. So I was wondering if you could start by just giving us a little bit of background knowledge in terms of your career so far and, and how you became interested in metacognition in the first place. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Chloe, for having me no in problem. the MedPod. So uh, I uh, I have worked previously as thinking and learning skill advisor. So always the thinking behind the learning has interested me in the students. And I think that is really powerful because that helps the students to take control of their own learning. So things like thinking and learning skills, then during COVID time, for example, like our students, it was really a big contrast that we saw that uh, some of our students who in the classroom, we would think that they're doing all the right mm. things all the time. When they are doing the work uh, virtually, they were finding it pretty difficult. Mm. Whereas some students who were probably not that organized or vocal in the classroom, they they did it very differently. And that made me think that what, what is the skill? The, di- the difference was only in the skill. Mm. And that made me think that what is going on here? And uh, obviously, then I started looking into metacognition and thinking skills and all the learning dispositions for the students. And that's how I thought that I would uh, dig in a bit deeper into metacognition and work in that area. So it, it's really interesting. Brilliant. So it's kind of come out of your own organic observations of, of what was going on absolutely time. absolutely I would say so Brilliant. I think that's the truth a lot of the best kind of action research is coming isn't it from that observation and then exploring it further so how would you define metacognition then because you've done loads of research into this yeah so I would say metacognition is about awareness of one's thought process and also understanding the process or the pattern behind it Now, for metacognition to play an important role, there are two prerequisites, Mm -hmm. I would say, and one of that would be cognition. So if I uh, explain that in a little bit more, it is the skill or the ability to complete a task. So say, for example, it's the learner's thinking about their learning process and Uh, For example, one student might think that I have trouble remembering the dates of history, okay? So so that would be the cognition for, uh, or the skill or the ability for the learner to understand their cognitive abilities. On the other side, it would be the motivation. So that would be learner's drive to complete the task. So, okay, 
I'm having trouble in remembering the dates and history. What do I do about it? So do I have a timeline? Do I associate some kind of pictures with it to help me remember? So it's it's a combination of two. So I think metacognition could be properly defined as two-dimensional. Right. One would be the cognitive aspects and the other one would be the... Um, the motivational sides of things and they go hand in hand together for uh, for a student to be a metacognitive learner. Okay thank you that's really really clear definition I think sometimes when you start to go to some of the research papers it can become quite confusing can't it but you've given like a really nice clear yeah, and definition I, of that. And I think for metacognition that is probably one of the drawbacks isn't mm -hmm. it the term itself so it's important that we unpack the word and uh, so that the students as well as the staff, mm. as staffs, we understand what it is exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely an important prerequisite of, of it all, I think. So obviously you are a biologist by trade. I think that maybe gives you a, a unique perspective on metacognition. So what role do you see metacognition and metacognitive thinking as playing in the learning process? Yeah, so I think, yeah, with my biology teacher hat on, uh, I have done quite uh, extensive reading and research around the topic and the involvement of our brain in the process of learning. So this, this particular area really fascinates me. It's of utmost importance for me. So our brain is remarkably plastic. And that is true for all ages, whether it's toddlers, teenagers, mm. middle-aged. It's remarkably plastic and it is still adapting even when, I mean, at our age as teachers, I would say it is still adapting very actively to the environment. So um, what goes on uh, with respect to if I uh, explain in terms of the nerve cells, mm. basically the neurons, they are still basically either making new connections depending upon the environment or the stimulus that we have. And also the old ones are constantly rewired. So, and this whole process is really important for improving the memory of an individual or the ability to reason or evaluate different situations. Now, that is beneficial for all of us, not just our learners, but also teachers on our day-to-day -day life all the time. And the good news about it is that we can cultivate it, we can improve it, and we can do so with practice. So it, it is really interesting to see the link between how our neurons or the nerve cells are developing and making the new connections and how that could be transferred to our students in their learning environment. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I've never heard anyone kind of talk about it in that way with that scientific aspect. Yeah, so there is, there is a, basically uh, a pair of thumb-shaped, uh, small, really tiny uh, structure deep inside our brain, which is called the hippocampus. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with the uh, ability to learn and remember and making these new connections. So I'm... Um, I mean, we can make use of that to help our learners improve their memory as well as, and, and, and it is doable. So I, I often give an example of when I drive to school site, I have a fixed position where I will always park, I mean, without <laughs> even thinking. Yeah. And it is kind of a, a kind of a link, I think, with that parking spot and my brain. It's made that that's mine. I'm going yeah. for it all the time. <laughs> 
even without thinking I do that and that's how basically brain is absolutely fantastic organ which which helps us to make these links yeah. and connections yeah that's that's really interesting thank you I think sometimes that if there's a lack of understanding about maybe where metacognition comes from and like those scientific roots of it sometimes different myths or like mysteries you might say can exist about it which can be a problem then when teachers try to use it in the classroom so what would you say there are in terms of those myths about it because I, I think especially this comes into where people take that theory that you've spoken about into like the practical application within the classroom environment yeah so um firstly as uh, in the field of education we all we are exposed to so many germs yeah. so uh, firstly i would like to say that metacognition is not something which is new it's not a fad neither a new concept. So it is basically lots of uh, extensive research has happened uh, since the beginning of the 20th century. And the term itself was co uh, coined as early as 1970 oh, wow. by John Flavel. Yeah. And uh, another aspect is that uh, uh, it is thought as uh, something that could be for the highest attaining students. But actually, in reality, metacognition is for all abilities, all ages. And uh, lower attaining students typ typically have fewer metacognitive skills and so have more to gain from metacognition or me metacognitive teaching. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we forget about our high attaining pupils because they probably have picked up some of the strategies whether these are given specific focus or not. But the question that we need to think about or ask ourselves is that, is it enough? Or should we do or should we be quite explicit in the way that we teach these techniques? And that's what I'm going to talk about in the project that I did, yeah. And uh, so the other aspect I would say is, it's not like, it, a metacognition can't be a standalone lesson. Yeah. So it has to be in context of the subject. It has to be uh, content-based lessons. So, because without cognition, there can't be metacognition. Yeah. It becomes a very abstract concept then. And also, it has nothing to do with age. I mean, metacognitive techniques could be taught to kids as early as when they're three years old. Oh, okay. So it's not that we have to save it for our sixth formers mm. or something. Age is not a barrier to developing metacognitive learners. So to summarize, I would say it's not new. Yeah. It has been, I mean, there is a lot of evidence of uh, how it could benefit our students. It's not for HAPS or lower attaining students, and it has to be done in uh, subject-based areas. In the context. Of in the, the context, yeah. yeah. Because cognition has to happen first yeah. for metacognition to take yeah. place. On the age um, element of that, would you say it's best that this is done as soon as possible for a learner? Absolutely, because it, it is more like a habit. Yeah. So over here, we are not focusing on the knowledge or the information. We are focusing on the way the students approach yeah. a task, whatever task it might be. Okay, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. This could be something um, for some of our primary colleagues to, to think about as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Definitely. 
So I know you've mentioned already your action research project I'm really looking forward to hearing about. Um, could you kind of outline what this involved and then maybe a little bit about the impact that that's had as well? Sure. Yeah. So I was looking through uh, the data and uh, looking through that, how, how, how are the students progressing and all. And something uh, quite interesting stuck me, and that was um, the HAPS, and particularly in the foundation years, yeah, uh, the higher attending pupils, they, they were progressing, but when I compared their progression with our middle attainers or lower attainers, the progression was relatively slower. Okay. So it seemed as if they were coasting. Yeah. So I spoke to the head of year and we, we talked about this and we thought that what could be done? And uh, we, in school, we do have different kinds of intervention. But this time I spoke to the head of year and I said that, why don't we take a different approach? Let's try and empower them rather than delivering the knowledge. I think let's focus or shift our focus from the knowledge to the skills. Right. And that's when, and that's the time I was, uh, I mean, it was just after or during the COVID. Yeah. So I was thinking about the metacognition and how that could benefit our students as well. So so it, it was good that the head of your uh did like the idea and we together identified the students who were not performing as well as they should yeah so that was the starting point and then the intervention uh I, for the intervention i spoke to the parents because it's important that we engage the parents mm -hmm. as well and uh, spoke to the uh, parents and the students and made it very clear what is the aim what is it that we are trying to achieve here so the aim was to empower the students to be autonomous and self-reflective. That, that was the whole idea. And uh, this whole intervention, I was basically influenced by um, the work of a Soviet psychologist called Lev Vygotsky. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, develop, he developed the idea of zone of proximal development. So what he talked about in that is this zone lies between what a learner can achieve alone and what a learner can achieve with an expert guidance. Right. So in this case, the expert was, was a teacher, but for example, it can be also parents at home. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so basically the expert will initially take the responsibility for monitoring progress, setting goals, planning, activities locating like attention so let's say this needs to be done within two weeks time so having those sort of uh, deadlines and things like that but then gradually the responsibility for these cognitive processes were uh, given over to the learner right so this learner so the learner becoming increasingly capable of regulating his or her own cognitive activities and this transition is considered as metacognitive development. So that's what I tried to do. So uh, I used to see uh, the group of students that I uh, was trying to improve their prog uh, the DCP data and their yeah. progression. Um, so I used to see them once every half term and we did set up a Google Classroom. And initially I started equipping them with like, okay, what are you finding difficult? Is it the key vocabulary? Do you think 
this technique, I, I actually equip them with different kinds yeah. of techniques. And do you think this will work? So I'll give them a choice of one or two different ways to work. And then in the Google Classroom, and it, it's and I said that try in the subject where you are finding it difficult. So science is heavy with vocabulary. Yeah. So you can give it a go at science. So try that and hand in the work in Google Classroom. And once they handed in their work, we used to have a conversation in there that, did you find it useful? What particularly did you find it useful? Why did you choose this technique over the other? Do you think you're going to use this in any other subject area? So having that metacognitive discussion was really useful. And they found it quite, um, I mean, they engaged really well, I have to say. And, the, uh, and there was like uh, quite positive feedback from the parents as well. Uh, so in two terms time, then we looked into the DCP and there was positive indication, okay, I would yeah. say. So there was positive indication. But however, in this case, I mean, information is easy to teach and to test. Mm. But this one is basically a shift in focus from teaching information to finding out how much they know and yeah. what approach they're having. So it's a difficult one to actually yeah. um, find out with respect to the data. Yeah. But uh, there was positive indication and they were much more aware, I would say, okay. which, which was a step forward. Did you use like quantitative data and quantitative? Yeah. So one was basically, I think the most important thing was that conversation mm. in Google Classroom that we had. And then uh, them suggesting, okay, I can use that in history maybe, yeah. or I can do this in uh, English. So that, that kind of a dialogue was really important. Obviously, I had a look at the DCP. So I was, I, at the start of the project, I was looking at um, the DCP data for English, science, and maths. So tried to look back in two terms, uh, after two terms. Yeah. And uh, so that it was moving in the right direction, yeah. which was good. That sounds great. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about some of the strategies that you use? You mentioned some different techniques that you were suggesting. Yep. To... So I have all sorts of names for them. Okay. So um, there was one technique that, that I quite, quite frequently use. It's called the DRS. So descriptive, reflective, and selective. So that's what it stands for. So um, it's uh, in science, generally, we have... Um, six marker extended writing for GCSEs and sometimes they have to be it has to be an evaluative kind of question so they have to evaluate which is quite a high order thinking mm -hmm. so uh, this is a technique that uh, many of my students use so they're going to first uh, give an overview or describe whatever it is and then um, they're going to be so that's the default descriptive then they're going to be selective like pros and cons for each one and finally in the reflective uh, part they're going to talk about which one is better than the other right, okay. so it's just breaking the because sometimes students don't know where to start and where to end mm -hmm. so having that gives them a perspective and a proper structure to actually help with their academic writing, yeah. so that is one of uh, one of the technique that we use quite often. And 
this is not restri restrictive to science only. Mm -hmm. It can be uh, anywhere where they're trying to evaluate something, finding out the pros and cons of something. So it could be, but it's a transferable skill. Yeah, that when you were saying that, actually, I was thinking that because often I think in different subjects, it can be tempting to teach them a particular way to answer mm -hmm. a question that is they can only sort of see it as being applicable to that question. Whereas Correct. they're actually using that same skill of evaluation, albeit maybe in a slightly different way, in the subject they're going on to next but mm. they, if they don't understand what that process is then every time they see that word evaluation it's like it's a new word for them and obviously what you're talking about with the applicability of it mm. um, actually gives them the tools to then take forward I really like that absolutely and uh, it was really nice to see that in one of the I think last year or the year before I can't quite remember but one of my year 11 students I was marking their PPE paper and uh, there was a question, and at the top they wrote DRS. Ah. So, so that was like, okay, you're thinking in that yeah. way, so which, which was really good to see. So that's one. Then the other one, which uh, is for terminologies, let's say, it was like um, key vocabulary yeah. and remembering and using them in context. So I used patchwork thinking, so a grade of 9, 16, depending upon how many words you have for a topic, put the words in and randomly make links. So put a, write a sentence to link one word with the other. The more uh, links you could make, the better understanding you have. Yeah. So I call that patchwork thinking. So again, that that is quite, I find that quite useful as well. Yeah. And again, that's, a, I mean, that could be a really good revision tool yeah. to get them, you know, just what, with whatever subject topic they're doing, they can make that themselves then once they've got the hang of it from when you've taught them it. So yeah, I, I consider metacognition more like an umbrella term under which comes a little bit of modelling, a little bit of reflection. So it, it's it's kind of uh, what we generally do. Like when, when do a student, yeah, we do retrieval practice, do the students think about that, that this is the point, I should go back and check. Yeah. So it's kind of an umbrella term which encompasses all, all these aspects. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I really like all the practical... Um, ideas as well that are part of your work has been considering how metacognition also has that kind of wider potential beyond the classroom can you tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on that yeah I, I will start with a quote for this one I, I just absolutely love this quote uh, this is uh, from an American uh, moral and social ph philosopher called Eric Hoffer mm -hmm. he sums it really well so uh, the quote says that in times of change, the learners will inherit the world, while the learned will remain beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Oh. So I think it, I cannot potentially explain anything yeah. better than this. <laughs> so he sums it up really well. So it is um, useful. Metacognition is useful across all range of age, subject, even our day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So it's not just restricted to our students only. So obviously it will help them to think or have a conversation, whether it's with respect to their GCSE courses or options, what university they're going to go to, what careers they want. I think it, it has a huge implication there. Um, and it's a transferable skill, as I'm mentioning. So it, they can transfer it to a sports they might play or an instrument that they play. So it, it can be for all those aspects as well. 
And nurturing self-awareness is equally important for us as teachers, I would say. So with my mentoring hat on at this stage, I would say there is a module in early careers framework which focuses on metacognitive strategies and how that can be useful for the teachers as well. So uh, I think I would say that to put it into simple words or that's how I actually think metacognition is, that it's kind of a little voice inside your head that is constantly reviewing Mm. and asking you the little questions. So, um, I mean, that's an easy way to understand what metacognition is. Yeah, I really like that. I think the way you described it, I think it really conveys that this is genuinely a very holistic skill and a holistic way of being, way of thinking that we have the potential to to give students help them to develop which will then have you know manifold impacts throughout their life which is a really powerful yeah and i mean uh eef research shows Mm. this is the second most effective uh, way to improve the progression of students over seven months it says that it can um help the students uh progress i mean it's it's really really powerful in that way I would say. Yeah absolutely. Thank you for such a fascinating insight into your action research project and the process of completing it. It's really inspiring I think to hear the impact that it had on the students but also you talking more generally about the impact on your practice and your way of thinking about teaching I think is equally as inspiring and um, also I think just the way that you've talked about how to do action research because I think sometimes people really overcomplicate action Mm. research but the way you've described it shows that you start with your observation, you do the research into it, then you test it out and then you look at the impacts and see what to take forward into your practice. So I think that's really valuable as well. Um, I really do hope that people are able to take away as much as I have from listening to all your ideas. Um, If you are listening on Spotify, don't forget to engage with us by taking part in our poll and survey on metacognition and adding some of your own strategies for using this in the classroom. Um, But other than that, we will see you next month for the next episode of MetPod. Thank you.